0: The Red Sox fall in the second day in a row against the Tampa Bay Rays, but Tristan Cassis gets in on the action, and Christian Arroyo continues to swing a hot bat. But Jamie Gatlin and I talk a little bit about this Red Sox loss and also a little bit about some injury updates. Let's get into it. You are locked on Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I, don't, I want to welcome you back into the Locked On Red Sox podcast. And thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Massachusetts Pirates team insider and Woo Sox production assistant Jake Nizuski. And we are back for another episode, but not on great terms once again. The Red Sox once again lose to the Tampa Bay Rays for the second night in a row. But I have a very special guest with me. He is the producer uh, at ABC News 4 and the co-host of the Obstructed View podcast, Jamie Gatlin. So how are we doing today, Jamie?
1: Doing good. Had to be here to talk some socks.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a little bit. I, I think it's been around three months or so uh, since we've talked last. A lot has changed, uh, obviously, a little bit for the worse, unfortunately. But what's nice is, you know, the Sox are getting some players back uh, from the injury bug. You know, Tristan Cassis, Connor Wong coming up. We're starting to finally see the future in sort of the plan of 2023. But what has been your thoughts uh, so far over the past week or so seeing sort of, you know, Cassis and Wong really show what they've got?
1: I think just looking towards the future, especially where the Sox are right now, um, the playoff hopes are slim. So just seeing these guys who are supposed to be key contributors, you know, Excel has been fun to see, you know, especially with Bayo. Um, if you look at his stats, area of like 5.9, which isn't going to jump out you, but his last three starts, um, he hasn't allowed more than three runs. He's not having those blow openings. He's looking mm-hmm. more composed on the mound. Um, you mentioned Connor Wong, you know, hits a homer in his first game after being recalled to walks three times in the second game. Um, catch the runner stealing. You know that's what you want to see when you give young players um opportunities
0: like this. and with Wong, I mean, he's hit like nine or ten home runs in you know, the last like month and a half or so. I mean, I was very impressed all throughout my time seeing him, seeing him in Worcester all throughout this season, has very good plate uh, patience as as well as is able to really flash some of that power. You know, we haven't seen that from him in the past. And you know we we also see, how pitchers rave about him having attention to detail, being a great catcher to pitch to. You know, Chris Sale said it. Nathan Navaldi said it. And, you know, he's, he's just a full package, it seems like, on both ends of the spectrum. And so it's, it's been really nice to see sort of potentially the future backup catcher for the Red Sox. And then, you know, we also see saw Tristan Cassis, his first home career home run uh, on Tuesday night.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially the long um... – you know, I think like for the past month, every time I go on Twitter, it's a different Connor Wong highlight. True. Um, and especially when, you know, you have Plecki who's a free agent. McGuire has been great. But, you know, if he's going to start there next year, having a guy like Wong come up and kind of assert himself and get good reviews from the pitching is what you want to see right now, especially when you had a guy like Vasquez, who is back there for so long, and you could always rely on that for seven-plus years. Um, and then kind of having a change of guard and having it work out, in a small sample sample size so far is good to see.
0: Now, now, what is your thoughts on the potential, uh, you know, platoon of Connor Wong and Reese McGuire in 2023? Cause obviously Reese McGuire is, uh, with the Red Sox under control until 2025 and Connor Wong, you know, has only really has, uh, you know, this year and last year worth of MLB experience, but, uh, I'm a fan of it. And you know, that was a big question going into this season with with what was gonna happen with Vasquez and obviously as you mentioned, Pilaki being a free agent. But I'm curious your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I would like. I wouldn't mind that tandem at all. I think McGuire gives you good veteran presence back there. He's not gonna hit um like he has the last couple of weeks, but he can, you know, usually hit two fifty. And if Juan can hit, you know, two seventy and just do what he's doing so far, that's a good yeah. platoon. And then you have Hernandez also um, You know, winning the wings. So, if either of those guys struggle, you could call up Hernandez and see what he has.
0: Very true. And you, you know, Hernandez and Wong um, have really impressed me during their time in Worcester. Both of them are uh, very effective uh, at the plate. You know, uh, I, I believe Ronaldo Hernandez is hitting around 290, 11 home runs. And, you, you know, we saw long be able to hit around like 14 and you know uh, with an average ending at like 280 and so uh, I'm really curious to see you know how Reese McGuire really continues to develop in a Red Sox uniform and um, continues to show us uh, why that was such a great trade especially for a guy like Jake Diegman who you know really wasn't doing a good job uh, in that Red Sox bullpen and so I'm excited to see how these guys continue to show what they have uh, for this Red Sox lineup, but uh, especially for you, who uh, is, is a big part of, you know, Red Sox Twitter, you interact with a lot of people over there and, uh, you know, have have a lot of followers in terms of Red Sox fans. Uh, what has your thoughts been on sort of the Tristan Cassis reaction? You know, we've seen a lot of mixed reactions of, you know, some people thinking, you know, after eight of a bats that he's a bust already. You know, some people thinking that it's weird with his pregame routine. And then obviously the same old people who begged for him to be up, getting super excited that we finally get to see the future first baseman for the Red Sox.
1: Yeah, base Red Sox Twitter has been a fun place the last couple of weeks. Uh, But not surprised just because as much as I love Red Sox fans, people tend to overreact, Um, especially say, you know, Cass is going to be a bust after like less than 27 innings of baseball. Pretty crazy. Um, You know, and it's like my thing with young players too, is I don't trust them until they struggle just because no one's going to come out and be Mike Trout. Um, So I'd actually prefer to him struggle this year, you know, down the stretch when they're kind of out of the playoff race. So next year when he does take over those everyday reps, He kind of has that learning curve under his belt
0: and you know he struggled a little bit coming back from that ankle injury uh, in Worcester and then you know we saw him really start to go down a stretch of getting on base consistently which ultimately led to him uh, getting the call up but uh, I when I asked him a little bit about that you know he he gave me a little bit of a generic answer of you know I just go up to the plate trying to get on base every single time and don't really focus about the numbers Uh, but he's somebody who you know Alex Cora really preached his maturity and uh, how also, you know, we heard Trevor story, talk a little bit about a speech that he made after uh, his debut. And, you know, I have talked to him twice and uh, very mature, uh, very nice person. And I'm super excited to see uh, the different things that he can not only do defensively, but also offensively and really be able to help fans continue to get excited for the 2023 season.
1: Yeah. I think like especially after this season is gone, kind of Red Sox Nation needs some excitement um, and with how hyped up Cassis has been, he's definitely going to provide that. And I like how Cora said a couple days ago, you know, that he's going to play most of the time, regardless of if it's, if it's a lefty or a righty on the mound. Um, and when he's kind of the franchise cornerstone, or kind of your franchise first baseman, that's you know going to be fun to watch over the next couple of weeks.
0: Very true. And you you know one one thing that we have seen him struggle a little bit with is uh, striking out and you know, he struck out three times, uh, tonight and then, uh, you know, twice yesterday as well. And, uh, you know, we've seen him not really agree with a lot of calls and, you know, that's something that I think is going to come with maturity of with him is, uh, you know, being able to, uh, not get upset at the umpire, you know, obviously he's he's played baseball his entire life. You know, he's had plenty of practice of that, and also, uh, you know, not all the umpires are great, uh, in minors, but, uh, you know, especially being able to have that place to play discipline and being able to differentiate pitches from the competitiveness difference uh, from AAA to the majors, I think is going to be super important for him. But uh, as you mentioned, I think that failure part is going to be critical at the start of his career. You know, we saw Bobby Delbeck, you know, really start to fail uh, at the start of his career and then do a great job in the second half. Ultimately didn't end up doing great in 2022. But, you know, as you mentioned, I think that's going to be critical for Cassis to continue building his maturity as a professional baseball player.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, especially when, um, you know, Dahlbeck hasn't really been hitting. At this point, they're kind of just going to throw him into the fire. Um, it's just going to be fun to see how he reacts, and especially that homer tonight, how it kind of came inside. He just crushed it. Uh, that was, you know, good to see, especially against a playoff-caliber playoff team like the Rays.
0: And one thing that is, it's kind of deceiving with Cassis and, you know, it's very well documented in statistics is, uh, you know, even though he's a big guy, a big structure and, you know, can, can tower over you, surely towered over me. And you know, I'm 5'10". I, I mean, I'm not very tall, but, you know, still towered over me. He's not a home run hitter. And you know he's he's going to give you uh, at the, especially at the start of his career before he really starts to develop his power, uh, you know a, a 300 average with 20 home runs. But that that's what you want. You want a guy who can get on base, uh, you know, consistently at the plate, and then give you the the power that you need at some points in the game coming up clutch. But uh, you know he he's really sort of uh, gone at the approach of getting on base first and allowing the power to to, to just come at the moments that it's supposed to.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point, especially with, you know, watching Dahlbeck either kind of go up there, strike out or hit a homer, Um, watching how hot or cold Franchi's been, just having a guy like Cass that can get on base, you know, you'd take that now and you have enough power in the lineup with Devers, you know, and the other guys on that roster where he can kind of develop that and you don't need it right away.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, it was tough to see, you know, Rich Hill sort of struggle on the mound, five earned runs over nine hits, Uh, pitched four innings uh, of baseball three strikeouts overall against the Tampa Bay Rays. And, uh, you know, it, it's unfortunate to see, you know, Hill struggle, especially having such, uh, you know, past few games. You know, we, we've really seen him start to uh, get settled in. But um, just just a start, tough start overall for Rich Hill. But at the end of the day, you know, just stacking up these wins for the Rays, even though it's not great for the Red Sox in terms of the playoff race and in terms of their record, uh, it's nice to see the Rays continuing to uh, gain ground on the New York Yankees currently – four and a half games away from that first place spot in the AL East.
1: Yeah. I don't know why I ever doubted the Rays when they didn't get off to a hot start because it happens every year and I always regret it. Um, but it's been crazy to watch the Yankees downfall. I mean, they were on pace to win a crazy amount of games. And since the te- the trade deadline, you know, Montes has struggled. Benny just had surgery. Mm-hmm. I mean, all those moves look good on paper and they've just backfired completely. Um, it's, you know been an epic collapse so far it's been crazy too how kind of trading montgomery of all people has seemed to create a lot of friction or you know kind of disrupted the chemistry that they had and he's gone on and just been electric for the cardinals in his short stint there so far
0: yeah, it really is crazy with Montgomery, you know, how much, especially with how upset he was about getting traded from the Yankees, uh, you know, how much he was surprised about it as well. Uh, it's really cool to see him really finding his place uh, in that St. Louis rotation, and you, you know, continuing to improve this season because he, he had a relatively good season before the trade deadline, but uh, you know, especially uh, with Ben Intendi as well. It's kind of crazy. You know, we, we saw Ellsbury obviously go to the Yankees, you know, uh, five, six years ago. And, uh, you know, same same with Ellsbury as well, even though he left through free agency and Ben Intendi uh, left through trade. Um, and he ultimately, you know, didn't have a choice of going to the Yankees. It's pretty crazy uh, that, you know, the last two times Red Sox players, especially favorable Red Sox players uh, that have gone to the rival Yankees have struggled and have been injured a lot. You know, we, we saw Ben Benintendi struggle a lot at the, during his first month or so uh, with the Yankees. But, uh, you know, as much as I want to see Ben Benintendi succeed with how much he did in a Red Sox uniform, I can't say that I'm not satisfied.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I'm what I'm most interested in too with the Yankees at this point is if this collapse continues and they don't go far in the playoffs, you know, what do they do in the offseason? Because yeah. they went all in at the deadline. You have to pay judge. You know, if this keeps falling apart for the Yankees, it's going to be really interesting to see what that front office does to kind of fix the team and what trades or if not trades and how they kind of fix it all back together. Because you have the Orioles who are not the doormat anymore. Raise the Rays, the Blue Jays will probably be better next year. Red Sox hopefully will be better. Um, This is kind of the year, I feel like, for the Yankees to take advantage of where everyone else was. And right now it's not going the way they were planning for for it to go.
0: Not at all. And, you know, especially that whole August stretch, it it was awful to watch. Even just as, like, a baseball fan. You you know, I said to some friends who are are Yankees fans, like, as as a baseball fan, this isn't great for the sport. As a Red Sox fan, I love it but uh, you know you, you, as much as we hate the Yankees you never like seeing a, uh, a, a fan base you know really suffer like that you know the Red Sox obviously dealt with their July uh, they dealt with their August last year and you, you know it's, it's just it's just tough to go through but uh, it's really it's really nice to see especially uh, if they do have that collapse it'll be a, you know a little bit of a laugh for us Red Sox fans who aren't having that satisfying of, of a season so far but uh, you know, uh we're gonna talk a little bit more about you know how great Christian Arroyo has been throughout this season and did on Tuesday night's game in our second segment. Talk a little bit about uh Kike Hernandez signing a one-year extension with the Red Sox, as well as talking about uh Jamie's thoughts uh, on if there's really any chance whatsoever of the Red Sox making the playoffs. But before we do that, I just want to take a second to talk to you about Bill Bar and uh if you haven't tried built bar yet i i don't know even where to start to talk about how much i love uh these protein bars they're not only delicious uh, but they're great for you and one of the new flavors that they have is cookie dough chunk puffs they have a light and chewy texture it's real cookie dough chunks and of course they're covered in 100 percent real chocolate and Something with Built Bars that's really crazy is, you know, they're not only made with 100% real chocolate. They're not only good for you, but they taste great. They have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. So, you know, make sure to go over to built.com, Get yourself a box. It's a perfect treat when you're, you know, on the run, doing lots of things at work, and you're just able to grab a protein bar, whether it's before a workout or whether you're just hungry and need a snack. They're a great protein bar that not only tastes good, but they're great for you and can fill you up real quick. So go to belt.com. We have a great uh, offer for you. You can use the promo code lock 15 to get 15% off your order. That's use the promo code lock 15 to get 15% off your order at belt.com. But, you know, going into our second segment of the lockdown Red Sox podcast, we wanted to really highlight a guy in Christian Arroyo who came up clutch with a nice RBI hit uh, in Tuesday night's game being, one of the four runs that the Red Sox scored, but he's been scorching hot at the plate ever since he's come back from his injury and a batting average of 345. And Jamie, you, you had a great tweet on Twitter talking about how he's having a career season, uh career high, 64 hits, 27 RBIs, 13 uh, doubles, uh, 12 walks in 19 extra base hits. You tweeted that a day ago. So, you know, it, it might be a little bit skewed in the numbers, but, Uh, It's been really impressive to see Christian Rowe really showing what he has finally with some consistent playing time.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who throughout his career, I feel like he's had injuries. You know, he was the key piece in the Longoria trade um, with the Giants. So he came with high pedigree and he's just always been injured, um, hasn't been able to stay on the field. And we've really seen the last couple of weeks what he can do when he's healthy. Um, and in those numbers I pulled up, I think he's played more games this year than ever before. Um, and as of yesterday, he was he had seven less strikeouts compared to last year, which I think was his previous high at that point. So you know, it's not only that he's getting on base; you can also see the plate discipline is there. Um, and it seems like every time the Red Sox need a clutch hit, he comes through. And it's just good to see a guy like that take advantage. Um, and it just has you wonder, like, what could he do if he stayed healthy for 120, 140 games? So I don't think he would be a guy that's gonna hit you 30 home runs, but I could see him hitting you like in the teens, low teens, maybe drive in 60 to 70, um, and just be a solid hitter. And I feel, feel like with the Red Sox, you can always find a place for that. Um, his versatility means you can put him in the lineup, you know, however creative you want to get. -hmm. Uh, But it's been good to see him excel at the opportunity he's been given when he can stay on the field.
0: And especially to have a, a bench depth guy like him who, who has the versatility, like you said, you know, he, he's sort of in that Brock Holt role where, you know, w- when we need somebody to take a rest or, you know, if an injury comes up, you know, we're, we're going to slide Christian Arroyo and, you you know, now he's not an outfielder, you know, he's, he's not first baseman either. You're going to kind of keep him at second base, shortstop or third base. That's, that's where he's been most effective, but, you know, at the plate been very impressive, you know, at, as we said in the numbers and, uh, you know, especially, uh, I like how you mentioned the Evan Longoria trade because not a lot of people knew that you you know he was a top prospect uh, for the Giants and you, you know th- then went over to the Rays and then ultimately you know that's where Heimbloom sort of fell in love with him and the Red Sox got him through through the waiver wire so it's, it's pretty crazy how he came to the Red Sox but you know it's it's Bloom working his magic and being able to find uh, great depth uh, in in a guy like Christian Roy and he's also somebody who you know we've. We've praised him a lot, uh, you know, over the last year or so with what he's able to do in the clubhouse. Great personality, uh, you know, just great energy. Very nice guy when I had the opportunity to interview him. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really excited to see, you know, how he continues to develop going into next season. Hopefully he can have, be a lot more healthy and uh, is, is really able to, you know, plug into different places, uh, kind of like, you know, we, we saw Kiki Hernandez when he first came over last season, you know, help him play at second base in center field before he ultimately solidified him. Himself in that center field role, but you know, moving on to him, you know, I'm curious what your reaction was to uh, him signing a extension for 10 million dollars, sort of out of nowhere. You know, it happened right after last night's game, right after Lauren and I recorded. So, you know, I saw the notification, I couldn't believe it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I love that deal for the Sox. To be honest with you, especially the quote that I saw on social media was how Bloom told them that he's going to build a much more competitive team. Um, And I feel like when you look at Kike, that's not a guy who would take that comment likely, which should give Red Sox fans hope for next year. Um, He's just a guy you want to have. We've seen since he came off the injured list, what he can do offensively, that spark he can provide. Mm -hmm. Um, He can play second. He can play outfield. He gives you a veteran piece. And with a guy like Duran, who kind of hasn't lived up to expectations, you can let him go back to Worcester and kind of get right. um, Having Kike back there next year. And it's not like whatever prospects come up, you're only tied to Hernandez for one year, so you're not sacrificing the future. And you have a guy who loves Boston, who could be a spark plug. We've all seen what he does in the playoffs. Um, so it's you know I feel like it's a win-win, especially to plug that hole. If you're going to sign a free agent, you're probably going to have to spend ten million anyways. Um, so at least now you got a guy who knows what it's like to play in Boston, and he checks off all the boxes and what you would want, even if you're going to find a replacement.
0: And I I did find it interesting some people saying that you know that they thought that, that he he got paid a little bit more than they might have expected. Well, you know, at the end of the day, they signed him to a seven million dollar a year deal, where, where two years fourteen million. And especially with the legendary uh, sort of performance that he had in last year's playoffs, like let's say that you signed him to an extension at the start of uh, you or at the start of this season, or at the at the end of last season, you know, that'd be fifteen million dollars a year probably. And so, uh, you know, even though, you know, he wasn't a great contributor for the Red Sox this season, only playing 69 games, you know, the average down at 217, not exactly what you want. But, you know, that might have helped the Red Sox get him at a little bit of a lesser value. And as you mentioned, you know, this is just a great uh, sort of message that the Red Sox don't believe that Jaron Duran is ready to take over in center field. And, you know, I I don't think that he is either. Uh, You know, we've seen him have a little bit of a different energy, it seems like, down in Worcester. And I I think he needs a lot more time to figure that out. And it's pretty crazy that I'm saying that when he's going into his 27-year season uh, next year. But, uh, you know, I I think this gives the Red Sox a little bit more insurance and, you know, fills a hole in that center field spot that uh, I I think was a little bit of a question mark going into the offseason.
1: Yeah, we talked about this on the um, obstructive view earlier, too. But in my opinion, with I do feel like he can be a contributor to this team. Um, you know, he's shown flash this year and obviously it hasn't gone as they expected, but having Kike back takes that pressure off right. um, and it gives him kind of the perfect opportunity to be that first guy they call up next year with injuries or if they need an extra outfielder. Um, so I, I just love the signing all around. And I think especially to mentor, you know, a guy like Taran or just to mentor any young outfielder, having Kike back there also helps a lot. Um, Especially
0: Just like the routes too, like the we we saw Duran really struggle with the routes in center field, making some wonky ones that didn't that that made some pretty ugly plays. And uh, I I think with a guy like Kike who's not like a primary center fielder, you know, he was a utility guy in LA before he came to Boston and being able to help him sort of figure out, especially Fenway center field, which is the most difficult one, in my opinion, all baseball, uh, I think is super critical.
1: Yeah, and especially with, you know, they have guys like Waka, Valdi, They have a lot of free agents they're going to have to take care of, and at least having one off the list before the offseason makes Bloom's life a little easier. And with the guys they're going to look at, I feel like probably Waka, Valdi. that's going to cost you more than it would have been to sign Hernandez to one-year deal. So at least now they kind of have the easier deal, I feel like, out of all those out of the way. You can focus on the big guys um, like Waka, Valdi. The whole Bogart situation extending Devers it just makes their life a lot easier
0: couldn't agree more and you know uh I I think uh, I I sort of wrote down in my notes and chuckled a little bit when I saw the tweet from Alex Spear you know as you mentioned Heimblum promised him that the team would be better next year and you know uh your your co-host on the Obstructive View podcast and our mutual friend uh Chris Henrik you know him him and I talked a little bit about this when he came on uh you know I, I believe it was around a month or so ago that uh this is the most important offseason for the Red Sox you know in maybe 15 to 20 years but especially for Haim Bloom and being able to show uh the ownership the fan base and in my opinion also Alex Cora as well uh that you know lot this past year uh didn't go as planned. And he has learned from the last two years, Uh, you know, granted the Red Sox came two wins away from going to the world series in 2021, Uh, you know, that you, it was sort of like, you know, 2018 to 2019, you weren't able to replicate that. And uh, you know, being able to make smart moves, especially to build up this bullpen that has been a major issue for the last two to three years uh, and, and really being able to show ownership that he's here for the long haul and that he's not going to be another general manager like Ben Charrington or David Ambrowski that's only going to have a four-year tenure in Boston.
1: Yeah, I feel like that was perfectly said, especially, you know, at the deadline, I feel like we start to saw some of the cracks just when we had the open door policy and you had Bogarts and some other guys saying, we need help or we don't know the direction of this franchise. Um, I do think he's going to be a little more aggressive this off just because he's a little more on the hot seat, not saying that they're going to obviously they're not going to let him go, but, I feel like ownership's going to be like, all right, I'm, we can't do another year of kind of failing to meet expectations or kind of a repeat, um, which I think is going to be easier with them just with the prospects like Cass and Bell we've talked about now being contributors. Uh, but I do think they're going to be very active on the free agent market. I'm really interested to see what Bloom does because uh, he doesn't you know, strike me as the guy who would just say that to a player like Hernandez and not follow through. Mm-hmm. I think they only have three guys under contract before you factor in arbitration or those type of deals. So they're going to have plenty of money to spend. Um, hopefully they get some bullpen arms. You know, it's going to be fun to see how he reshapes this team, especially the pitching staff. Because um, oh, in my boy. opinion, yeah, in my opinion, offensively, they need some minor tweaks. Yeah. But when you compare that to the pitching, that's where I think Bloom's going to put money into. And if they do trades, that's where I feel like the focus will be.
0: And fan with the player options six million dollars can't beat that and you know the infield looking uh unreal you know just you know especially with story back in that lineup and um you know i i think it's going to be interesting as well to see what he does with the rotation in the bullpen um you know i brought up yesterday potentially waka you know i i, I would like a two-year deal um 13 to 15 million dollars i think that's very fair doubles his uh his salary from this year uh you know from seven if you doubled it, it would be 14. And, you know, if you gave him a million dollars more, a little bit of a bonus. So I think two years for 30 is very, uh, is, is is a great deal for Waka, especially for a guy who has been, in my opinion, the ace of this rotation throughout this season.
1: And I agree. I feel like you can't let Waka leave, and especially what he brings to the young pitchers with how he's kind of had to remake himself. Um, he's a guy who's been, you know, in Tampa, St. Louis. He knows how to deal with adversity. And this year, he's finally been healthy for the most part, other than that kind of like three week stretch um, a little while ago. But he's shown that when he's healthy, um, he can still be the dominant pitcher he was in St. Louis when he won seventeen games, and I think in like twenty thirteen or whatever year that was. Um, and he's up on the staff for next year, especially with you know the health problems that Sales had. evolved Valdi be a free agent, like we've said, there's a lot of question marks in that rotation. And bringing Walker back um, would that would help a lot, especially since you showed he can handle playing in Boston.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more. And um, you know, I I think it's I think it's been really interesting to not only hear your thoughts on on uh, you know the future, but also you know the, the Tuesday night's game. And uh, you know, I, I think it's nice, especially you know with how uh, I, I I guess the amount of questions that were on the Red Sox to-do list uh, going into the off season. It's nice to cross off a few, have a little bit more clarity on what's happening in 2023 and be a little bit more excited, especially with how tough, uh, you know, the end of this season has been. But as always, Jamie greatly appreciate you coming on, but hope I greatly appreciate everybody tuning into a locked on Red Sox podcast. And thank you, making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. Now make your second listen and go out and check out the ultimate pro football preview of 2022. This is an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. The local team experts of the Locked On Podcast Network, plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets, all combining into one ultimate NFL preview. Search for the ultimate pro football preview 2022 on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also follow locked on Red Sox on Twitter at L-O- underscore Red Sox, myself at Jake Iggy, Lauren at La La La, three laws, and Lauren with four Rs. And Jamie, how can the people support you?
1: Can you go to my Twitter? Um it's Jamie then Gatlin number 17. I'm um, gonna have a lot more prospect stuff coming out with, with the Charleston River Dogs. That's stuff that I've been doing. Um, and a little football, a little college football that I technically can't announce until a couple days. Um, but If you like Rutgers football, you can look up my handle on Friday. Um, But a lot of my league and college football content coming to the, to the
0: fans. Hey, let's go. And also make sure to check out the obstructive view podcast, uh, Steven Brown himself, Chris Henrik, and uh, also uh, Mickey as well uh, do do a great job uh, of covering the Red Sox and g- giving their great perspective. You know, sometimes Chris is in a bathtub. You know, s- sometimes, you know, they, they have some great guests on, you know, like Steve Peralt, uh as as well as uh, Jake from uh, the Caravis podcast. But uh, as always, greatly appreciate you coming on, my friend, and uh, definitely want to get you on uh, once the offseason season. Uh, you know, gets rolling, and we can start starting to plan for the 2023 season. But as always, be well, my friend, uh, and uh, really excited to have you on again. Uh, but we'll end this episode. You know how we always end it. Let's go, go, stop, peace.